Any kids? She can be trusted. You're good. Well, good evening. I'm kind of excited about a uh, you know Christmas season. You get some different uh, messages and sermons at the different uh, worship services that you go to, and so we're in the we're in the spirit down here. And so tonight we're going to do a little bit of a, a Christmas message as well. Um, but I I need to pray, and so if you guys would would join your hearts with me, I would appreciate that. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy, and um, I, I confess that I something within my heart or within my soul uh, doesn't feel totally ready to worship. Um, I know it's one thing to deliver a message, and I'm so glad that you don't need me to be in a perfect state of mind to uh, minister and bless all these people, uh, but I would love to worship as well. And so I do pray that um, whatever needs to happen uh, by your spirit within my heart and within all these people's hearts, that you would do that now. And we just ask that in accordance with your love for us, um, your provision for us, uh, your Holy Spirit's intimacy with us, and trust that you will show up, trust that you will allow us to see your glory, allow us to know you more fully um, from just experiencing you through your word and uh, through song. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, we have kind of a, a long... Uh, not too long. We're going to read um, Matthew 2, 1 through 17, and I think it's going to be up here. Tim, are you up for popping up and, and reading that for us? Yes. All right. So, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go. Search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back, Thanks, Tim. Perfect. Okay, so a story that uh, most of us have heard, um, kind of the story of, of Christ's birth and the visit of the Magi, also known as the wise men. 
And as soon as Herod hears this, you, you get a pretty drastic response. Uh, and you, so what I want to do tonight is kind of contrast the, the difference between the Magi or the wise men's response compared to Herod's and see if we can look into figure out why, why they had various responses. So first, what were they responding to? They're responding to the good news. So in verse 2, you hear that a king of the Jews is coming. Verse 4, it says, the Christ, where was the Christ to be born? Verse 6 says, the ruler and the shepherd of my people. So you got a king, the Christ, ruler and shepherd. So as we know, Christ often, uh, Christ means Messiah, Savior. And so the news that is heralded, that is proclaimed, that is announced is, uh, is good news. But because Herod's insecurity, uh, he, didn't, he didn't take it that way. And so Herod is king at this current time. And so as you look, when the news comes that a king of the Jews is going to be born, uh, you see Herod um, kind of lash out in insecurity. That all of a sudden he feels the need to, to defend his kingship. Herod liked his, his place of power. He liked the, the position that he held. Being a king, you probably, um, he, it affords him all of his selfishness. Uh, it makes him feel important. And so to think that another king was coming, uh, even though the tradition of the people has talked about the Messiah coming for thousands of years, uh, this, for some reason he thought this was going to wind up bad for him. For some reason he thought a transfer of kingship would be a loss to him. It would result in his demise. It would result in his unhappiness. As opposed to the wise men, we see the wise men hear the good news. They, they see a star and they go seek the Christ. They go seek the new king with the intent of worship. Later we realize that uh, they do bring gifts and all these gifts have different meanings, uh, these ideas of presenting them to a king of worship where it's, it's the right posture before a king. But even before that, they say, hey, where is this king um, that we might worship him? And so what, what Herod couldn't see, I believe, is, is Christ, Christ saying, yes, I am the king, but I have your good in mind. And all Herod could see was, was the threat of another king it was going to knock him down. And so because of that, you see uh, this incredible troubling, this incredible insecurity. Um, real life example, my, my dad, Bill, has been, was the, the CEO of Christian Life Ministries, the counseling center where I worked for 30 plus years, uh, founded the place and had, had steered that ship forever. And so two years ago, we transferred uh, kingship they don't call me that around the office, but I, 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 I took up the directorship uh, and became CEO. And so that could be very threatening to lose that position of power for him. But the way it turns out, my dad still works there. He's still full-time on staff. But really, uh, now he only has to do the things that he's gifted at. He doesn't have to take on the responsibilities that, that he used to, that he didn't like. Uh, so he gets to do what he likes. He gets to do what he's gifted at. Uh, he gets to see... Um, kind of the fruits of his labor uh, become more efficient because he stepped down. And he probably gets a little bit more time off, too. And so you think about the difference between giving up that position of power 
really proved good for his lifestyle and proved good for him. And so because of that, well, and because of the humility that, that he wears, uh, it's, it's been a treat and it's been a, a good thing for me, but it's been a great thing for him. And so on face value, sometimes giving something up is, is scary um, and there's transitions for all of us and all of us have had to give up different things. But you realize the difference between um, when you can only see the bad from it because you're so locked into your title, when you can only see the bad from it because your title gives you a sense of worth, you can only see the bad from it because your title gives you a sense of um, selfishness where uh, now I can do what I want and when I want and, and lord my position over other people. This is the result of what Herod couldn't see. This is the result of him not realizing that the king that was to replace him was a king of love. That the king that was going to replace him was indeed the Messiah to save him, to save the people. And so when you try to hold on to your kingdom, when Herod tried to hold on to his kingdom in this text, Matthew 2, 3, it says, Herod was troubled. And so first, this has an internal effect on us, that it troubles our hearts, it troubles our souls. I read the other day that over half of our country is on mood-altering drugs. Uh, that's a lot. And so that, whether that's depression or anxiety, over half of our country is on mood-altering drugs. Oh, if some of us are on them, I'm not bashing that, but I'm saying, why, why the spike? It used to not be that way at all. And I think a lot of this, a lot of this has to do with, um, you know, our culture and the things that we're capable of now and the ways that we medicate that we didn't before and the stimulus that we have. Uh, but in, in our counseling center, we're seeing kids uh, 10, 11, 12 years old who are, who are deeply depressed, who are full of anxiety. And, and this is our solution. And although sometimes that helps, um, we have to go deeper than that. And to me, that is exemplified with this phrase that Herod was troubled. Where I believe that be, we're in this state, and it's, it's no, nothing new um, on a heart condition, but it's being manifested differently. And the thing that we have in common our culture has in common with Herod is our pride still is afraid to give up control. Our pride still is afraid to fully trust someone else. It doesn't only start, it doesn't, doesn't stop within this internal troubling. As you read in 2.16, it says, Herod became enraged and killed all the male children. Now, we read over that, and it's, it's just a, a sentence in Scripture. Uh, it goes on to another sentence that talks about the, the wailing in Jerusalem. But I want you to think about what would happen if the government came in here and all the babies, two years old, they took to kill. Like, that would affect you for the rest of your life. And I guarantee if that was attempted tonight, People would die. Parents would fight with their lives to not allow that to happen. But yet, this is what happened in Scripture because a man 
was deeply threatened out of insecurity and he had the power to do so. So he sends the government in and he takes every two-year-old and under boy and slaughters them. When you function out of insecurity, when I function out of insecurity, we hurt a lot of people, as did Herod. What's the result of handing over your kingdom? The wise men, though they weren't kings, and so they didn't have quite as much entitled to transfer, in a way you recognize, I hope, that we all have our own kingdom. We all try to lord over our own lives. We all try to be in control and call the shots of our own lives. After all, it's ours. But yet the wise men get the news of the Messiah, and they're willing to hand this over. They're willing to bend their knee. They're willing to offer up homage to a king. And verse 2 10, Mark 2.10, it says, They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Reminds me of Psalm 16. It says, In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Remember in Luke when it says, Whoever seeks to gain his life must lose it. And whoever tries to hold on to or keep his life will lose it. Find his life. Kind of similar here, isn't it? Where here these guys are ready to bend their knee, to humble themselves, to say, you can be my king. And they get exceeding joy. Begs the question, if we're trying to apply this in our life, who's this king? First of all, who's the Messiah that came, and who's the king that's asking me to bend my knee? Who's the king that's asking me to hand over my kingship? Keep it in the same Gospels, Jesus Christ, Matthew 1.23, you're going to sing about this, you're going to hear about this a lot in Christmas time. It says his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hebrews 1.3 says, Christ is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians 3, one, I'm sorry, Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So making no mistake and going right in line with uh, the book of Mark, Christ is claiming to be God. What did he come to do? Matthew one twenty one says, Jesus, he came for he will save his people from their sins. So if you think about who is threatening Herod, this is God coming to earth. An inapproachable God who said, if anyone looks upon me, he will die. When his presence was on Mount Sinai, he tells them, only Moses can come up. Don't let anybody else come up. Don't let your cows get too close or they'll die. Holy God, who is completely inapproachable, becomes a baby. Is there anything more approachable than that? Yet that was God coming down to earth. What were you coming here for? A king who was willing to fight his own battles. Most kings delegate. Most kings send soldiers and warriors out. I get this picture in heaven when, when the time was right, when the Trinity knew that their creation had been 
chosen to give allegiance to the enemy, had been deceived to hold on to their own kingdom and be slaves and sons of disobedience and slaves of Satan. When God sees our need, I get this image of him on the throne of heaven where he takes off his crown. He strips himself of his royal robes. He hikes his loincloth up and he puts his greaves on and he slams the doorways of heaven open up to come get us. Scripture says that God is a warrior and Yahweh is his name. Revelation 12 gives a little bit different account than a baby born in a manger. It says the red dragon sought to devour the baby, Jesus, and when he realized he couldn't, He was thrown to earth and he came and waged war on his offspring, you and I. So Christmas, as much as I love Silent Night, the spiritual reality of Christmas was a war. It was the kind of heart that you would see if the government did come in here and try to take your children, that you would see from fathers and mothers. This was God saying, no way. Jesus is often called the son of David. Perhaps he loved that title because he loved David's heart, a warrior's heart. 3,000 years ago, David squared off against the enemies of his people and Yahweh in the valley of Elah. A thousand years later, the greater son of David, Jesus, stood alone against death, hell, and the great dragon on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. He saw our need, and he did what a warrior does. He slew the dragon that desired to enslave you and me. He freed us at the cost of his own blood. Is this not the definition of a true warrior? One who lays down his life so that another may live. So I believe the heart of God in this moment and in this time, was that passionate warrior's heart. It was the heart that laid aside his crown and then went to wage war. But it looked way different than you would imagine. It looked way different than the Jews were looking for. Because this lion that is Jesus first came as a lamb. One day there will be justice on earth. One day the lion will come to right every wrong. But Christmas wasn't that day. Christmas was the day that the lion became a sacrificial lamb. Christmas is when God, though the heart of a warrior, said the only way to win my children is for me to offer up myself, for me to die. I'm going to hand this little spike, and if you guys just pass this around. We did communion last week. This is going to be a little bit different, but it's the same idea. Because when God's saying, Nick, I want you to give me your kingdom. I want to be king of your life. I start backpedaling, and there's a lot of reasons why I don't like that. Until I remember, one, who he is, and two, what he did for me. And if if God humbled himself and came to earth in the form of a baby 
and then went to the cross and got these things stuck in his hand and in his feet so that I wouldn't have to. He earns my trust. And I don't really have to talk myself into it as much. So pass this around and put that thing in your hand and imagine it being driven in. Here's the deal. I have the opportunity, you have the opportunity. We're posed with really the same question. Will we let Jesus take our kingdom? Keep your kingdom and you keep your death. Keep your kingdom and you keep your death. You'll spend eternity in punishment. 2 Peter 3.7 says, And by the same word the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Matthew 13, 41 and 42 says, The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out His kingdom and all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. And they will be thrown into the furnace of fire, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, 30, Into outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 46, Into eternal punishment, but the righteous will inherit eternal life. Not only does eternity look like punishment if I choose to hold on to my kingdom, but I get to spend my whole life like Herod trying to defend myself. I get to spend my whole life being self-consumed and anxious and questioning everybody's motives. And if I'm not questioning your motives, then I'm just trying to please you. Deeply troubled. Psalm 16.4 says, The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Now say my position of eternity has been set and sealed because Jesus Christ offered me forgiveness and I received it and I was redeemed and I became a Christian and my place is in heaven. So I'll never, ever, ever taste the wrath of God. Talk about that in a minute. But I still have an opportunity every moment of every day when I wake up or whether I'm getting ready to preach or whether you leave here and drive away if you're going to hold on to the kingship of your life, if you're going to allow God to. And if you choose to keep it, you won't taste eternal punishment, but I can still choose this anxiousness and this insecurity. Let Christ take your kingdom, and he'll also take your death. We know that physically we're all going to die, But spiritually, spiritually, what we deserve, the wrath of God, we're spared. This is the fruition of if you choose to offer up, if you choose to lose your life, you gain it, you find it. Romans 5, 9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 and 10 For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live for Him. And on the heels of one of those verses that talked about weeping and gnashing and eternal punishment, it says, Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun, in the kingdom of their Father. So if you and I are willing to say, I will gladly give up my kingship, 
I will gladly give up my kingdom. I will gladly take off the throne, which is a deception anyways. We're not in control anyways. But you rightfully have claim on my life. You get eternal life. You get peace. You get joy. You get pleasures forevermore. You get security so you don't have to defend yourself all the time. If you're wrong, you don't have an offense, and if you're right, you don't need one. You know that you are okay, that you are loved, that you are accepted, so you can finally forget yourself and get busy loving other people. And one thing that we get a taste a lot at Christmas that I, I think it's a little bit of heaven come down to earth, is that Christmas is the time where you get to see charity of heart a lot from a lot of different people. Christmas is the time where we intentionally try to give, whether it be gifts to our family or bringing stuff down to the mission or all the different things that take place during Christmas. And though there's a lot of the secular world that has marketed it and commercialized it that we're a part of, which in one sense I think, you know what, that's okay so long as we remember the heart behind it. It doesn't rob from this gift of charity. It doesn't rob from this idea that Christmas is the only time that we're normal. Christmas is the only time that we're as we should be. And if I let Christ take my kingdom, I can afford to be like this all year. I might not wear all the sweaters all year, but wouldn't it be great to have that heart posture? And lastly, one of the purposes that you get One of the purposes that I get, we get to see a great picture of this, a physical example. In verse 9 it says, After hearing the king, they, the magi, went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were exceedingly rejoicing with great joy. So this star leads them to Christ. And I believe the purpose that we get in the commandment of loving others, in the commandment of go and make disciples, in the commandment of be a living sacrifice, a testimony of my goodness, is that we get to be those stars. We get to be the star that leads other people to this security, that leads other people to this Christ the ruler, the Messiah, the one who has holes in his hands because of the love, the warrior God that will one day come again and rescue his people. You have a part to play in that. So when you're home tonight and you see the star above the tree, or this season when you look up and you see the multitude of stars, let it be a reminder that this is the opportunity that we have to bring, like Jesus, in Hebrews it says he was the visible representation of an invisible God. The New Testament says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we have the opportunity to bring an invisible God out in the open where he can be seen. Let's pray. Father, I realize my own tendency to offer my life up to you in word. Uh, But in a moment of a free day of wanting to keep my agenda, 
I hold on to my lordship. In a moment of trying to guard my reputation, I try to remain king and defend myself. And so, God, I pray for all of us that uh, we would first just recognize that when we choose to be our own king, in one way or another, we're choosing death. And a result of that is we're going to hurt a lot of people. So, God, I pray for your grace and for your mercy. I pray that you would give us the eyes to see your goodness, give us the eyes to see your holiness, and in response to that, we would gladly offer up our crowns. Knowing that you are a God who delights in blessing us. And so even as we sing now, God, I pray that uh, if there's things in our life, whether it be our entire life or just areas and elements of it that we're holding on to, God, I pray that you would move us to offer those to you. In Jesus' name, amen.